You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. Welcome to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. And today I wanna talk about legal separation and divorce. Oftentimes I hear women use the words interchangeably and we shouldn't because they certainly have different legal meanings and implications. So I wanna make sure that we are kind of all on the same page when we talk about the difference between a legal separation and a divorce. And really so that as you're thinking or maybe navigating the next steps in your own process, you can really make some decisions about what is best for you. So let's start out in really establishing the foundation of defining what legal separation is, what it isn't, and then certainly with divorce. So a legal separation is a formal arrangement where the couple decides to live apart, but to remain legally married. On the other hand, divorce is the legal dissolution of the marriage, which results in the termination of the marital bond. Those are very different. So of course, legal separation, we remain legally married, though we are not physically living together divorce, we are legally um, separated, meaning legally dissolved of this marriage. It is otherwise terminated as a result of the divorce. So let's start with really kind of understanding legal separation. A legal separation can certainly be a viable option, um, especially if you're not really sure if divorce is where the two of you are headed. And oftentimes it makes the most sense to give each other that physical space and time to assess the next steps in your relationship. It can certainly provide an opportunity for emotional and financial independence while maintaining that marital bond and marital relationship. But there are some considerations. And so I I wanna be really clear about the circumstances by which and the expectations by which legal separation may make sense. So when we think about legal rights and responsibility, a legal separation is not seen the same in all states. So I want you to make sure that if you are considering a legal separation, that you speak with a professional in your state to make sure that you understand what is and what isn't covered under legal separation. There are some states that no longer have provisions related to legal separation. You are just physically separated while married. Other states define legal separation and are really clear on what it means and what it doesn't. So in some states, if you have a filing that says that you are legally separated, then maybe that stops the accrual of marital property. Or maybe that's the time period by which a court can look at support for you or for the children. 
both during a temporary time period and then long-term. Legal separation in some states may also mean that you can still claim certain marital benefits under the state, whereas health insurance, and we'll get to that in a moment, a lot of policies, if you are legally separated, no longer allow you to remain on those policies. So again, first step is always, let's make sure that you understand in your state what it really means to be legally separated, especially if your spouse has come to you and said, you know, I, I wanna be legally separated. The key word there, legally. If it's more of a discussion about, hey, you know, I think we should separate and we're really focusing in on the physical separation, that's one thing. But keep your ears open and really pay attention if the request is very specific as it relates to legal separation. That really is your indication to go and speak to someone to make sure that your rights are protected because otherwise, if you sign off on legal separation, you could be um, you know, sitting on the other side of an unintended implication as it relates to property rights, debts, child custody, and support obligations. So I mentioned a moment ago about health insurance and health insurance benefits. While you're legally separated, there is the possibility of maintaining health insurance and other spousal benefits. But again, that depends on the state that you live in and the benefits that you are entitled to as a married person or if your state views legal separation as its own standalone um, relationship standing, so legal standing, then understanding what benefits you may still be entitled to. On the flip side, and this is critically important if you are on your spouse's health insurance, most health insurance carriers now have language that states that a person is no longer eligible to remain on health insurance benefits if they are legally separated or divorced or not otherwise in a relationship by which, so a dependency type relationship. I've seen a lot of people get burned thinking that they can remain on health insurance as long as they're married, they're going about their business as legally separated, and then find out later they are not in fact eligible to maintain those benefits. So again, if you are considering a legal separation before you sign off on anything or before you file a document seeking legal separation, I want you to make sure that you really understand the difference between those two things. It's really, really, really important so that you have the benefits and things that are covered for you and your family. Now, as a whole, children and their ability to be covered under a parent's health insurance is not otherwise changed um, regardless of whether or not you are legally separated or if you are divorced. So there is a distinction between the spouse and the children. Children are not otherwise impacted with whether it's a legal separation or a divorce, whereas the spouse, you can be 
um, in a situation that you didn't otherwise intend without knowing given the legal separation. Oftentimes, people want to do a legal separation because it makes the most sense for the family to give them space for reflection and the potential for reconciliation. What's really important, though, is to communicate the individual needs, your aspirations, and then your goals during the separation period. You don't want to find yourself in this kind of purgatory or no man's land where we don't have any plan as to what's the next step. That doesn't mean that you need to do it today, but you certainly need to be thinking about if we are going to transition into physically separating, what does that look like long-term? Is the goal to really work with a couple counselor or reconciliation counselor or a spiritual advisor over the next couple of months or during our separation to make some decisions about what path we're taking, whether that means we're going through with a divorce or we're reconciling and really kind of working during that time and giving yourself the space to really understand what's needed for each of you but being productive during the separation period, that's really important. The other thing that you really need to understand and chart out are the financial expectations. Are we maintaining the status quo? Am I supposed to cover the household and living expenses so long as I'm living in the house or if you're living in the house? Are we splitting those things? What are we doing about parenting time and a parenting schedule for the children? Again, this is an opportunity to have those conversations, to think about what makes the most sense, recognizing though that maybe there is the window of opportunity for reconciliation, or maybe this is the opportunity for the two of you to really sit with the idea of what it looks like when we go from one household to two households, as in a divorce. But use this time to be productive, to think through what works for you, what works for your spouse, and then certainly what works for the children. But really try to have some sort of check-in, whether it's, you know, monthly, uh, weekly might be a little bit much and overwhelming, but certainly have some sort of benchmarks so that you don't look up and it's been three years and you both are just kind of, you know, going along for the get along and not really having any kind of discussions. That's really important when we think about your ability to kind of transition. Now, if the two of you have decided we are going to do kind of a long-term separation, we want to get the kids out of the house. They graduate in two years. So it makes sense for us to separate for these two years. Okay. As long as everybody is on the same page, it's really important to understand expectations and parameters because they could have serious financial implications for you. Let me give you an example. You can be in a situation where no one's had any conversations about expectations during the separation period. 
The status quo in large part is mean being maintained, meaning your bills are being paid, you have access to maybe the joint account or your own account, but you haven't had any real conversations about what do we do if there is a bonus that comes in during the separation period? Are we still sharing that or do I or my spouse, depending on who the recipient is, feel as though that that's now mine because we are separated? The same is true for dating. Are we open to dating during the separation period? Is the expectation though um, that we are trying to work on our marriage and so dating is not a part of that? Having these conversations are really important because that's going to mitigate confusion down the line. So I would recommend kind of sitting down and really listing out for yourself, what do I hope to achieve during this time period? It might be something like clarity, financial independence, because that could very well look like I'm starting to pay my own bills, I'm opening up my own accounts, establishing credit. Maybe it's the, I need the opportunity now to kind of transition back into the workforce, but I need the time without us going through a divorce to really kind of test that out. Write those things down so you can clearly get a framework for what makes the most sense for you. And then reach out to your spouse, whether that's via email or the two of you kind of getting together to see if the two of you can engage in a conversation about what things look like. If you've listened to any of my episodes before, you know that I always stress the importance of safety. So please only engage in the conversation with your spouse if it can be done safely. If not, then we certainly want you to engage the help of a third party or someone else to help facilitate that conversation. And that third party can be your couple's counselor, um, your um, you know, pastor or your priest. It can also be a mediator. A lot of couples come to mediation during the separation period to kind of discuss what this looks like, how we are going to kind of facilitate this separation period, and you go from there. So using the time and the opportunity, again, to be productive, but it really is a real good idea to at least write down, here are my thoughts, here are my expectations, here are my concerns, here's what I think makes the most sense during this time period so that the two of you can have a productive conversation during this separation time. Don't worry as much about whether or not you are headed for divorce. You might be, or maybe not. There are many couples who physically or legally separate for a time period and they never get divorced. Sometimes they just need a moment and that can be, um, or a separation can be very productive for a family. So take the time that you need, but make sure that it is productive. And again, so that you're not in this kind of no man's land. 
Another consideration would be working with a mediator or a lawyer on a postnuptial agreement. So a postnuptial agreement, of course, is different than a prenuptial agreement because, of course, you're now married. And maybe it's the opportunity for the two of you to now have some conversations around what things may look like in the event of a divorce post us being married. This could be a good opportunity for you to get information that you didn't otherwise have access to because similar to a prenuptial agreement, a postnuptial agreement requires the full disclosure and exchange of information and ideas as we chart out what may happen financially at the time of divorce. So think about the potential of working through a postnuptial agreement, especially if you think that your separation could be long-term or if you are in a high-income family, this may be a good way for you to kind of have a structured conversation around finances well before you move in the space of a divorce. A side note to that, if you do have a prenuptial agreement, take a look at the prenuptial agreement during your separation period and really start understanding things um, from the court's perspective. Now is a great time to start talking to a lawyer about the terms of the prenuptial agreement, especially if you have concerns about the terms um, as entered and the implications now. Use this time productively during the separation period, but don't lose sight of the fact that certain rights and responsibilities may not be available to you if you are legally separated. If you're physically separated, that's fine, but again, it doesn't hurt to make sure that everybody is on the same page in terms of um, expectations and goals during this time period. So let's shift a little bit and kind of talk about divorce. You know, divorce, of course, is the permanent dissolution of your marriage. It's very important that you understand the implications and the considerations involved in getting a divorce. So I want to just kind of touch on a few of those things so that if you are thinking about the transition from separation to divorce, you have some things kind of top of mind and on your radar. First and foremost is always understanding the legal process and documentation. A formal divorce, of course, requires filing legal paperwork, which would include a petition for dissolution of marriage, and it could potentially involve court appearances. The reason I say potentially is because, of course, a lot of families mediate or direct settle or participate in collaborative divorce. And so they really do stay out of the court process and don't have the same number of hearings or court appearances as more of your traditional litigation um, route. This is a good opportunity to start researching lawyers and really understanding the laws in your state. As a reminder, every state is different. There are equitable distribution states 
and then there are community property states. So I want you to make sure that you're clear on how your state looks at marital property. That's your first step. And then from there, understanding then the process and by doing so, you can now start having informed and educated conversations with lawyers because now you have a baseline of information. If you go to the website, growngirldivorce.com, we do have a divorce glossary and there are words that you might think you know the meaning, but legally they actually mean something different. So use that glossary as a resource to kind of help educate you on the terms that you will hear during the process so that again, everybody is on the same page. But knowing that the legal process is the formal process of dissolving the marriage, that does then require certain steps to be followed in order for the dissolution to be effective. So again, really important to understand the difference between legal separation and divorce, given they are two different types of process. And knowing the difference can make all the difference. So let's now jump to understanding kind of the division of assets and debts under a divorce. It is possible that in a legal separation that there's no division of assets or debts. I mentioned earlier about a postnuptial agreement in reference to an option that you may want to consider if you are considering a separation and having a plan in place in the event that you move forward to formalize a divorce. When you are in the divorce process though, as we've stated, it is the formal termination of the marriage. And so there is a division of assets and debts and understanding the rules, rights, responsibilities related to property division is crucial. Equitable distribution or community property laws may apply. I cannot stress enough the importance of knowing whether or not you are in an equitable distribution or community property state because that will determine how assets um, and debts acquired during the marriage are then otherwise allocated at the time of a divorce. So knowing the type of um, jurisdiction that you live in, knowing the rules, the regulations, um, are, it's really important as you proceed with a divorce. Again, this can be overwhelming and it can be a lot. And there's a good chance that you're thinking, well, isn't this why I hire a lawyer? And yes, in some ways. However, it doesn't hurt to go ahead and educate yourself at a minimum on certain things, right? So it's very easy to find out whether or not you live in an equitable distribution or a community property state. It is very easy to determine the baseline or the basic rules as it relates to child support, spousal support, property division, even if you don't understand all of the nuances taking the time to at least get a base understanding as you prepare to meet with lawyers will really help organize you 
and the discussion that you will have when you're interviewing lawyers. So take the opportunity to at least at a minimum educate yourself before you go in and meet with a lawyer. We do have a podcast on finding the right lawyer for you. I recommend you listen to that if you have questions about proceeding with hiring a lawyer because there are some key things you want to be aware of or understand as you get ready to meet with a lawyer, whether or not you are considering a separation or proceeding with divorce. Going though back to division of assets and debts, organization is key when you're thinking about getting a divorce. So now is the opportunity to write down those things that you know that you have. You may not be the person in your family who's been responsible for the finances and that can be overwhelming and anxiety producing but it doesn't have to be start with what you know you know you have an account or you don't have an account you know that you have a credit card that gets paid each month you know that your spouse deposits their income into a bank account. There's a good chance you've seen them go to a Bank of America or a Wachovia or a Chase Bank. You've seen statements kind of come in. Make no mistake, I'm not saying to you go and start opening up mail because you can't open mail that is not otherwise in your name. However, you can write down a reference to, I believe that we have an account at this bank, or I know that I have seen a statement for this retirement account at some point. Write down those things that you do know. The other thing that can be very helpful for you when you think about debts is to really understand the debts that, again, are associated with you easy way to do that is to pull your credit report. And you may not be aware of those things that are listed. So go to like freecreditreport.com or, um, you know, Experian or TransUnion, the credit reporting agencies to get your free credit report. And that will list out all of those things that are in your name. That's a great starting point, especially if you have not otherwise managed the finances in your home. Separately, when we think about the overhead, household and living expenses, same kind of thing. If your thought is, I believe we have a mortgage, I'm not sure, again, that's okay. There's ways to find out whether or not there's a mortgage associated with your home. One way is to look up the recorder of deeds or property records to see who holds title to the property, right? If it's free and clear, then you individually or your spouse individually hold title. Otherwise, it will list out who kind of holds the title. And it might reference a title company depending on whether or not it's jointly titled and it may not be. You may not be able to get direct access or information about your mortgage um, or um, kind of more information as it relates to the real estate. Again, anything that you can find is better than nothing. You take that information, you list it out, and then when you're working with a lawyer, you at least give them something to start with. Keep in mind during the divorce process, there is something that's called the discovery phase. And that's really the exploratory. That's the time when information related to finances is really exchanged. And so you will have access to the information. 
that can take time and it is certainly costly. So the more information that you can pull and get access to, the better. Last thing I'll say on kind of debts and assets and organization, don't lose sight of tax returns. I get it. Same thing. You may not have filed your taxes or reviewed the taxes. Let me not say filed because I'm hoping you have filed taxes. You may not have otherwise reviewed the taxes in detail, but now I want you to pay attention. If you and your spouse have filed jointly during the marriage, now is a good opportunity to pull those tax returns because that's going to tell you assets and information that can really help be a roadmap for your lawyer. So pull your tax returns. If you're concerned about that kind of, you know, drawing your your spouse's attention to something you have going on, okay, then proceed delicately. But if you have access to a file or if you feel comfortable reaching out to your accountant, then go ahead and do that. But know that if the accountant has uh, filed the taxes jointly or works for the two of you jointly, they do have the responsibility to alert the other person that you're asking for a copy or um, have inquiry. So don't be surprised if uh, you get kind of CC'd on a communication from the accountant with your spouse also on that. So be mindful if you are concerned about that. But if you can get access to your tax returns, that is a good way to list out assets and debts or provide income information, business interest, real estate interest, because those things should be reflected on your return in some way. We're still talking about divorce and understanding the distinction between, you know, legal separation and divorce, but there is a tie-in. Both in legal separation and in divorce, there is the emotional component and understanding one's emotional well-being. Divorce, as well as separation, can be emotionally challenging. So seek support, friends, family, a therapist, a spiritual advisor to help you get through this. It really is okay to get help. There is strength in asking for help. So get the help that you need to get you through this. One thing though, is to make sure that you get the right help. Not every friend has the capacity to help you through this. Not every therapist is the right therapist for you. So if you're in a legal separation and you're working with a couple's counselor, you may also need your own individual therapist to help you kind of individually address some things. Separately, if you're working with an individual therapist, they are not your couple's counselor. And so finding somebody who can support that for you. It's also really important to have another kind of outlet. So you might wanna consider working with a personal trainer or going to a Pilates class or meditation, another kind of outlet because stress can manifest itself in differing ways and impact our physical health. And so now is really the opportunity to find something that you can really lean into to help you get through this process. We wanna make sure that you are 
all the way together, not just legally speaking, but emotionally, uh, financially, and physically. So it's important to make sure whether you're going through a separation considering divorce, going through divorce, or even say after a divorce, that you really take stock of what your needs really are beyond kind of your legal needs and get the support that you need. So we've talked about kind of, you know, general distinctions between legal separation and divorce Final piece that I want to walk through are things that we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of um, as it relates to high level discussions on divorce and the divorce process. So understanding that there are financial implications, knowing how important it is to have a solid understanding of your finances or at least working with a lawyer who can help you understand the financial implications of a divorce. I spoke a little bit earlier about financial implications of a legal separation, depending on where you live. Make sure you look into that because you don't want to make an assumption that because you're separated, marital property continues to accrue or doesn't accrue, and then you later then discover that it did or did not. So financial implications are really, really, really important, especially on the divorce side and making sure you understand them, but on the legal separation side, making sure that you are clear on what legal separation does and doesn't do. Children, We love our children. We want to do right by our children. And during the divorce process, I have seen many clients who make decisions um, that they think are on behalf of their children, but really they're on behalf of themselves. Again, get the support that you need in working with a therapist to help you make decisions Uh, that are good decisions for the children and that are not about you and being centered on you. Now, that said, during the divorce process, it is really important to understand parenting plans, decision-making, and how the two of you will co-parent or parallel parent um, on a going forward. Understanding the differences is also key to making sure that you get what you need throughout the process. So if you have questions or concerns about parenting matters and what it looks like, write down your questions and your concerns so that when you're meeting with a lawyer, you have kind of a checklist of these are the things that I want to go over. As it relates to parenting matters, we also have a podcast of Questions that I have been answering from listeners just like you who have, you know, written in and asked questions and I am happy to answer them. So if that is you and if you have a question about parenting matters or finances or anything else, please go to the website www.growngirldivorce.com and submit a question and we will answer your question on a later episode. But in the meantime, go back and listen to some of our question and answer segments because they may answer the questions that you have um, for yourself. When we think about support systems, I can't stress it enough. Building a strong support network is essential during 
divorce. You cannot do this alone. You should not do this alone. I don't want you to do it alone. Listening to the podcast is certainly a great step because you are in a community and we are a community trying to provide you with information to educate and empower you through the process. However, I want you to have additional supports. And so please look into various resources, whether that's physical, financial, emotional, and legal. Let's get you the right support for you throughout this process. As we conclude the episode, I want to emphasize the importance of seeking professional advice tailored to your specific circumstances. It is really important to understand the difference between legal separation and divorce so that you are properly navigating the next steps. You have the ability to do this. You can do this. We just need to get you organized, educated, so that you can then make empowered decisions. But you can't do those things if you are kind of all over the place. So as a first step, understanding the space by which you are in right now and using this opportunity and time to productively think about what the next steps kind of look like can make all the difference. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I appreciate you listening. Please reach out because I believe that sharing is caring. And so I want to make sure that any questions, any information that our listeners have that I am answering them to the best of my ability, but also please share our episodes with your friends, your colleagues, your sorors, your girlfriends, because you never know who may need the support. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.